The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of Eye on the Enemy, powered by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I'm your host, John Stolness. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. Well, this week, the Eagles are on their bye, so no one specific enemy to talk about this week. However, as the Eagles battle for one of the wild card spots in the NFC, it's a good week to take a look at all of the enemies the Eagles are going to be vying with to get those one of those three wild card spots. So we're going to take a look at the NFC wild card playoff picture here over the next 20 minutes or so and uh, run down the Eagles' chances of getting into the playoffs and some of the teams that they're going to be competing with. So uh, we're going to do that here over the next few minutes. But first, just want to remind you to go to bleedinggreennation.com every day for the latest Eagles news, rumors, and notes. And make sure to listen to all of our other podcasts on the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed by going to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you get your podcasts. And I'd love to hear a review of what you think about Eye on the Enemy. Leave that at Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. All right, so let's dive into the NFC wildcard playoff picture. And let me give you the NFC playoff picture as a whole right now, as things stand. The Cardinals right now, with a 10-2 record, are the number one seed in the NFC. I got to say, if the Eagles don't get into the playoffs, the Cardinals are my team this team has been around forever and they do not have a very good history a long history a a winning tradition in that franchise they they should have won that Super Bowl against the Steelers a few years ago but uh, other than that beating the Eagles in the NFC championship game back in in 2008 they they really don't have a whole lot of a history so I'm, I'm really pulling for the Cardinals to end up winning this thing if the Eagles don't get into the playoffs they are the number one seed in the NFC with a 10 and 2 record the Green Bay Packers right now are the number two seed with a nine and three record, just a game behind the Cardinals with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the number three seed also with a nine and three record. And the Dallas Cowboys, your NFC East leaders, a struggling Dallas team, the number four seed right now at eight and four. Now the wild card teams, you've got the Rams as the number five seed, the top wild card team at eight and four. They've got a two game edge on the Washington football team and San Francisco 49ers, who currently hold the number six and number seven seeds, the final two wild card spots. Those 
those two teams are both six and six with Washington holding the tiebreaker right now over San Francisco. And then you've got five teams all right behind Washington and San Francisco. You've got the Vikings, the number eight seed at six and seven. That's the same record as the Eagles, who are the number nine seed at six and seven. We'll get into the tiebreaker in just a second. Uh, the Panthers, the Falcons, and the Saints all tied at 5-7. and seven. They are the 10, 11, and 12 seeds, respectively. So you've got a seven-team race when you look at Washington, San Francisco, Minnesota, Philadelphia, Carolina, Atlanta, and New Orleans for the final two wildcard spots. The Rams are, are pretty much locked in to the top wildcard spot at the moment. So a seven-team race for these final two wildcards. Now, it would have really helped the Eagles out and the rest of these teams out on Thursday night if the Steelers had managed to beat Minnesota, but that didn't happen. And the Vikings beat Pittsburgh, so that moved them ahead of the Eagles based on record against common opponents. So that's where the Vikings have the edge on the Eagles right now, and I believe that's the that, that's the edge that they're going to have because the Eagles and Vikings are pretty much only playing divisional opponents at this point. Washington holds the tiebreaker over San Francisco based on record in the NFC. So that's likely going to keep Washington ahead of San Francisco moving forward, barring a collapse. But again, these teams are playing mostly within their own division over the next few weeks. And so there, there still will be some, some movement there. The week, the Washington's week 13 win over the Raiders was their fourth straight win. They started off the year two and six, obviously. And we're going to get into the schedules here in just a minute, but uh, essentially Washington, all these NFC East teams, Washington and Philadelphia, pretty much control their own destiny moving forward based on their schedule. The Eagles lose their tiebreaker with San Francisco based on losing their head-to-head matchup in Week 2. So that Week 2 loss really... You know, a game the Eagles probably should have won could come back to haunt them in the in the uh, NFC playoff race. The Niners, however, have one of the most difficult schedules remaining for all the different wild card contenders. They have to go to Cincinnati to play the Bengals. They have to go to Tennessee to play the Titans, and they have to play the Rams in Los Angeles sandwiched around games at home against the Falcons and the Texans. So you like their chances against the Falcons and Texans, but uh, San Francisco has a really tough schedule the rest of the way, and they actually have more games against the AFC than I was expecting. They actually pretty much already finished their divisional opponents. So uh, I didn't realize that as I was uh, mentioning that most teams would be playing within their own division. Minnesota has the tiebreaker over the Panthers based on a head-to-head win earlier in the year. And Carolina holds the division tiebreaker over Atlanta and New Orleans based on head-to-head wins. All those teams, again, sit at 5-7. and seven. I mentioned if the Vikings had lost on Thursday night, it would have really helped the Eagles out. Their postseason odds would have gone to 15% per FPI, but with their win over the Steelers, it boosted their chances of getting to the playoffs to 32%. So that's a big swing for Minnesota. They have uh, a pretty easy schedule the rest of the way as well. Um, you look at what's going on with Carolina. Again, I, I don't take Minnesota. I mean, I don't take uh, uh, Carolina, Atlanta, and New Orleans all that seriously as playoff contenders, but they're just a half a game behind the Eagles and Vikings. So you, you kind of have to. Earlier this week, the Panthers fired their offensive coordinator, Joe Brady. Actually, it was over the weekend. So I know that you can look at that as an admission that their season's over, or you can look at that as Matt Rule trying to make a playoff push and sensing for some reason that whatever was going on with Joe Brady, it was hurting the team and that this is an opportunity or this is an attempt for them to try and right the ship and, and make a playoff push 
over these uh, last few weeks. And then you've got the Falcons have lost four of their last six. They're trending downward. Their only wins since October have come against the Jaguars and Saints. So, Again, I don't take a whole. I don't really take those teams all that seriously. But you kind of have to. You kind of have to look at uh, how they've. Uh, you know what their record is, and and you get, they're just half a game behind Philadelphia here. So you look at the quarterback situations for all these different teams, and, and you have to wonder who has the edge. I think I think the quarterbacking is going to play a large role down the stretch. You've got Washington with Taylor Heineke. You've got San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo. You've got Minnesota with Kirk Cousins. The Eagles with Jalen Hurts. And then you've got uh, Carolina now with Cam Newton back in the saddle. You've got Matt Ryan with the Falcons. And you've got Trevor Simeon with the Saints. I I think of all those teams, Trevor Simeon is probably the weakest link with New Orleans. And I'm mentally kind of crossing them off. Matt Ryan doesn't isn't what he used to be, obviously, with Atlanta, and I, I don't think he's got the goods to, to push them into the playoffs as well, but he does have a pedigree. Cam Newton's a wild card. Being back in Carolina, maybe it, maybe it rejuvenates him in some way. Maybe he finds a little bit of the old magic while he's playing for the Panthers. I, I don't... I, I think the odds are, are better than not that that happens, but it, it can't be discounted. The Eagles obviously have their own quarterback situation. There's a lot of conversation about Jalen Hurts and, and Gardner Minshew. Let's just kind of talk about that for, for a moment. Gardner Minshew played really well on Sunday against the Jets. There, there's no doubt about the fact that the offense seemed really cohesive with him under center, and he did a lot of nice things in the pocket. He was able to move around in the pocket without running with the football. He was able to buy himself some time, find receivers in stride. He was accurate, uh, and I think that's obviously been a criticism that Jalen Hurts has had to face over the course of his career so far. He's not the most accurate passer in the world, and that's important. You know, you need a quarterback who can hit receivers in stride and, and give them a chance and uh, work through progressions, and, and Gardner Minshew did that. Gardner Minshew is also a young quarterback. He had success in Jacksonville. He's exactly what you want out of a backup quarterback. You want a guy who can come in for the starter and beat a bad team. And Gardner Minshew did that against New York. He beat a bad team. I wonder what Jalen Hurts' numbers would have looked like against the New York Jets. But you could just, the eye test told you that Gardner Minshew is a better pure passer. There's no doubt about that. Jalen Hurts is a better pure athlete. He provides a little bit more on the ground than Gardner Minshew does. A lot more on the ground than Gardner Minshew does. It just two, they're two totally different quarterbacks. We don't know what Gardner Minshew could do if he was the starter over a period of five or six weeks. We have one game to look at. We can look at what he did in Jacksonville, and we can see some ups and some downs. For sure, he had, I think, more ups than downs, but there's a reason they went with Trevor Lawrence. There's a reason they didn't make him the franchise quarterback, and I think it's because he has a a somewhat limited skill set. You had to feel happy for him. I mean, he was so excited after the game against the Jets on Sunday, the way he was celebrating with his dad at the—I guess it was at the airport when they were getting ready to leave, or it was outside the stadium before they went to the airport. They didn't go to the airport because they they rode a bus from Philadelphia to New York. You're not flying to New York from Philadelphia, but— so, yes, forget about that. But it was really interesting to see how excited he was and how fired up he was. And I think that's great. Philly fans love him. He's got a unique look. He's got uh, a lot of style. Uh, he's got a lot of spirit. But that locker room loves Jalen Hurts. That job is Jalen Hurts's. He's not going to lose it. I was asked an interesting question when I was on the 94 WIP Morning Show with Angelo earlier this week. If Jalen Hurts struggles next week against Washington in the first half, do they consider pulling him? I don't think they do. I I think this season is as much about making the playoffs as it is about finding out 
about Jalen Hurts. They they need to know what they have in Jalen Hurts. This is not a quarterback controversy in my mind. Gardner Minshew had a phenomenal game against the New York Jets. But if you think he's Joe Montana, because those are Joe Montana numbers, right? Those are Phil Simms in his heyday numbers. Those are, those are Tom Brady numbers that he put up. He's not going to do that against Washington. He's not going to do that against Dallas, probably. He may not do that against the Giants. The Jets are a horrible team. So he's not, he's not going to be that guy. Maybe he is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. I don't think we know that yet. And I think, don't you want to see Jalen Hurts in a playoff push? Don't you want to see, if based, so that you know what to do in 2022, don't you want to see what Jalen Hurts has? Is that not maybe more important than even making the playoffs? To, to get those answers, to find out, to give him the experience to do that. I think it's, I think it's important that he, that he have an opportunity, even if he struggles in the first half next week against Washington, to play through it because we've seen him have a bad first half and then come back and play better in the second half. We've seen the Eagles as a team do that. So when you look, when you look at the quarterback situation, I think this is still Jalen Hurts' job. And I think he's one of the more talented quarterbacks of all of these teams who are fighting for the playoffs. I think probably the most talented quarterback, but again, he's a guy who shrinks in the big moment, is Kirk Cousins of Minnesota. And, and after their loss to the Lions a couple of weeks ago, that is a team in turmoil. There are now people calling for Zimmer's head because you have an offense that should be better. I mean, you've, you've got Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. You know, you, you've got an offense. This team should be better than six and seven. Minnesota should be a better team, but I, I think this is what happens when you have Kirk Cousins on your team. There's always just going to be something holding you back when Cousins is your quarterback. I don't know what it is, he, but he, he doesn't play well against good teams. He's always struggled in the big moment on the big stage. He, he's very rarely ever come through with a clutch performance in those situations. And the Vikings 6-7 and seven record, and their, their up-and-down nature on defense kind of proves that. Zimmer has not been able to get that team to play consistent football. So Minnesota, a very flawed team. But with Kirk Cousins under center, they do have probably the best quarterback out of the remaining wildcard teams. I think Kirk Cousins is better than Jimmy Garoppolo with the 49ers. Um, you know, I, I, Garoppolo has been to a, a Super Bowl, but he's a flawed quarterback as well. So, uh, so San Francisco, I'm, you know, the reason they drafted Trey Lance, they're, they're, they're not feeling great about Jimmy Garoppolo under center and neither should 49ers fans. And then with Washington, you've got Taylor Heineke and I'm going to get more into Washington in just a second because they have a huge matchup this weekend against the Dallas Cowboys. In fact, let's, let's take a look at the remaining schedules of all of these teams right now for Washington. They host the Cowboys this weekend. Then they are in Philadelphia to play the birds. Then they travel to Dallas to take on a Cowboys team that will be fighting for playoff positioning. Then they, host the Eagles in Washington, and then they play at the New York Giants. So their last five games are all divisional, all divisional games. And by the way, I hate packing the end of the schedule with all division games. I would much rather see these division games spread out during the course of the year. I, I, it's, it's too much within the division at the end of the season, especially with the division being as garbage as it has been over these last few years. These are, these are not fun games. These are not, you know, these are not juggernaut games at the end of the season. It does create a little bit of drama with the playoff picture. And I guess that's, I, I know that's why they're doing it, but I miss the days when all of the games were spread out through the course of the right uh, of the regular season. 
The Eagles, of course, are on the bye this week. A very late bye week for this team, but a, a most welcome bye week. And hopefully Jason Kels will be uh, will be feeling better. And by the way, I'm pronouncing it Kels because apparently Kelsey is incorrect. We found that out this week. The Associated Press gave out a list of uh, different mispronouncers, th- the most common words that were mispronounced this year. And apparently Jason Kels came out and told folks on 94WIP earlier this year that his last name is actually pronounced Kels and not Kelsey. So... I don't. I haven't heard. I haven't gotten firm confirmation on that. But I'm going with the AP's pronunciation. Jason Kels. Hopefully, he's ready to go after the bye week. And then the Eagles host Washington. They host the Giants. They are at Washington, and then they host the Cowboys. So the Eagles have four divisional games the rest of the way. Three of them at home. This looked like a really easy schedule a few weeks ago, but that was before Washington's four-game winning streak. And so when you're looking at Washington and Philadelphia right now, and and I guess let's throw the Cowboys into the mix. I think the Cowboys. The Cowboys, I think, should feel pretty good about winning that division. The only way Cow- the Cowboys really have a, have an issue is if Washington sweeps them, which I don't I don't anticipate. I don't expect them to sweep the Cowboys. I think they probably split those two games, and it could be this weekend or it could be in three weeks when they play again in Dallas. But I don't know what to expect from any of these NFC East teams. I expect Dallas to win the division. But as far as Philadelphia and Washington, these two teams are total enigmas. Washington was two and six. They've won four in a row. Now they're six and six with Taylor Heineke at cornerback. They're playing some competent football. Antonio Gibson in the offensive line in Washington is playing really, really well right now. They're opening running lanes for him. And you've got Heineke getting the ball to Terry McLaurin and some of the other playmakers. We were, they were a little bit concerned that Logan Thomas was going to be out for the year, but his injury is less severe than they were expecting. But I don't think he's going to play this weekend. Nevertheless, you've got a Washington team. I still don't know exactly what it is. They're without Chase Young. They're without Montez Sweat this week, but Chase Young's out for the season. The defense is not as dominant as it was last year, but they've got a really good head coach in Ron Rivera, and he's got that team playing really well right now. I don't know what Washington is. I also don't know what Philadelphia is. Philadelphia's Point differential this year is really good. Most of their losses have been really close losses, and they've won a lot of blowout games. It doesn't feel like the offense has clicked all year, really, because I think the passing game has struggled for most of the season, but the running game just keeps churning out the yardage. And as long as the offensive line is healthy, it's going to continue to do that. The question is, can Jalen Hurts do enough in the passing game for the offense to be effective? And then with Jonathan Gannon's defense, you just don't know what you're going to get from week to week. So I feel no confidence whatsoever in trying to figure out whether Washington's going to make the postseason, whether the Eagles are going to make the postseason, what order it's going to be. All of these teams playing each other over the final month of the season, this is what the schedule makers wanted. Insanity. And that's what we're going to have over the last month of the season. Both Washington and Philadelphia control their own destiny to get into the postseason. That's the bottom line. The 49ers remaining schedule, we mentioned it a second ago, they have to go to Cincinnati to take on the Bengals this weekend. Then they host the Falcons. They travel to Tennessee to take on a great Titans team. Then they host the Texans, and then they have to go to L.A. to take on the Rams. Now, the Rams, again, might not have much to play for at that point. They seem pretty much locked in as the five seed, but we'll see. The Vikings remaining schedule, it's pretty easy. Uh, Well, no, that's not actually. They have to go to Chicago to take on the Bears next week. Then they host the Rams. Then they travel to Green Bay to take on the Packers. The Packers likely fighting for the number one seed at that point. And then they host the Bears. So two games against the Bears. You expect them to win those games. And then you expect them to probably lose to the Rams and the Packers over the uh, two weeks after that. 
the Falcons' remaining schedule. They are at Carolina, at San Francisco. They host the Lions. They're at the Bills, and then they host the Saints. So a couple really tough games in there, the 49ers and the Bills. The Panthers game could be a tough one as well. Lions and Saints, you expect them to win that. Looking at the Saints' schedule, they are at the Jets, at the Buccaneers, hosting the Dolphins, hosting the Panthers, and then at the Falcons. Really one tough game in there for the Saints, but again, Trevor Simeon at quarterback. Every game should be a tough game for New Orleans with Simeon behind under center. So looking at Washington and Dallas this weekend, I know there are a lot of Eagles fans who just can't bring themselves to root for the Dallas Cowboys. I mentioned this on the morning show this week as well. The Cowboys are not good enough for you to universally hate them. They don't deserve that level of hate from you. They just don't. They're, they are no longer America's team. Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith, Michael Irvin, Jimmy Johnson, Barry Switzer, they, Deion Sanders, they don't play for that team anymore. The Dallas Cowboys are just another divi- another team. They're, they're the Giants and, the, and, and Washington. They're a divisional opponent. Of course, you want to hate them. I always root for Dallas to lose, but I don't root for Dallas to lose any more than I root for Washington to lose or New York to lose anymore. They are the same to me. All three of those teams are the same. I don't have any more animosity towards Dallas than I do any of the other divisional opponents. You root for those teams to lose because it's in the Eagles' best best interest for those teams to lose so that in a playoff race like this, the Eagles have a better shot of making the playoffs. So if I'm picking between Washington and Dallas, I don't hate, dislike, root against one of those teams more than the other. It's all the same. They they both need to lose a certain amount of games from here on out for the Eagles to make the playoffs. And that's what I want. I want the birds to reach the postseason. The The thing that helps the Eagles the most on Sunday is for Washington to beat Dallas. If Washington wins, the Eagles' playoff odds drop a little from 35% to 32%. If Dallas beats Washington, the Eagles' playoff odds jump from 35% to 40%. So an eight-point swing there, depending on the Washington-Dallas game. Now, yes, the Eagles play Washington twice more this season. If the Eagles win, if the Eagles win both those games, their playoff odds increase dramatically. But every little bit helps. And Dallas is not so good. Dak Prescott is not so, I don't hate Dak Prescott and, and the rest of the Cowboys so much that I can't stand rooting for them this weekend. I can, e- I can very easily root for Dallas to beat Washington because Dallas has not won anything in forever. They are no better, no worse than any other team in the NFL right now. They haven't been for a long time. They are not a juggernaut. They're not America's team. They don't have the cachet of any other franchise. I don't hate them as much as I used to because there's no reason to. They're not as big a threat as they used to be. They're the best team in this division this year. That's true. I have, I, I can say moving forward over the next few years, there's a, probably a better chance that the Eagles are going to overtake them and surpass them. Because that's just what Dallas is. They they are not a powerhouse franchise anymore. So to me, root for Dallas because it's better for the Eagles to do so. Dallas doesn't deserve your unmitigated hate. Hate. They're not that they're not good enough to deserve your animosity. And again, if the Eagles went out there in the playoffs, but here are some other scenarios. If Washington wins this week, the Eagles can still jump ahead of them if they beat them both times. They play them twice in the next three weeks following the bye. The Eagles have the Giants at home. I think the Eagles are going to look for revenge in that game. It's a home game. I expect the Eagles to beat the Giants in that one. They're not getting swept by New York. Okay? They're not getting swept by New York. And then they have Dallas at home when it's likely the Cowboys won't have much to play for. So if the Eagles can split these two Washington games, 
I think they beat the Giants, and I think they beat the Cowboys at home when the Cowboys don't have anything left to play for, and that puts the uh, that puts the Eagles at. Um, let's see if they if they go three and one over the last four games, that puts them at uh, at nine and eight, and I think gets them a spot in the postseason. But we'll see how things shake out here over the next month, this last month of the season. But folks, that's the NFC wildcard playoff picture as we enter play on Sunday afternoon. So you definitely have a, a bunch of teams, a bunch of games to watch out for. Uh, you're looking for you're looking for Washington to lose to Dallas. You're looking for San Francisco to lose at Cincinnati this week. Um, the Vikings already played, so obviously you can't do anything about that. And then uh, as, as you're looking at uh, the Falcons schedule, you want to, it doesn't really matter. Falcons and Panthers. They play each other. It doesn't really matter which of those two teams, uh, which of those two teams win. And then the Saints at the Jets. Obviously, you're pulling for the Jets to beat the Saints, but again, the Saints are not really much of a threat. So you're rooting hard for the Bengals, and I think you're rooting hard for the Dallas Cowboys this weekend if you're into the NFC playoff picture and you want the Eagles to reach the postseason. All right, folks, that's going to do it for this edition of Eye on the Enemy. And next week we will be back and we'll talk to somebody uh, to preview the Washington football team game next week. So we'll do that. Mark Bullock, I think, would be a good guy to talk to. He's our, usually our Washington go-to guy from The Athletic. Uh, fantastic knowledge on what's going on in D.C. And, of course, I live here, so I'll have some inside uh, information and some scoops uh, on what's going on with the Washington football team as well. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you next time here on Eye on the Enemy. B-G-N-E.